Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm happy to connect with you today. This week, I'm really excited about this episode. I actually recorded it a couple of months ago, and... Um, have kind of been sitting on it for a little while, but really happy to get it out in the new year and spread the information. I know I've spoken so much on the podcast about pandas and pans, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcal infections as pandas, and I've talked about our own personal experience, and I have also spoken with a number of parents as well as doctors Pandas itself presents with symptoms like OCD, anxiety, tics, emotional ability, aggression, regression, and more. And it's also the subject of my middle grade novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, which I uh, released about a year, almost two years ago, I guess now. Um, A heartwarming story about an 11-year-old boy that struggles with brain inflammation following an infection. And so I've talked so much about Pandas Pants, but I still think there's more. And so that's why I'm really excited to bring this episode and welcome Dr. Nancy O'Hara. She is a board-certified pediatrician in the United States that has dedicated her career to caring for children with neurodevelopmental and neuropsychiatric issues. She also recently released a book, Demystifying Pandas Pans, a functional medicine desktop reference on basal ganglia encephalitis, which is a great resource, and we talk about her motivation for doing that in the interview. We also talk about pandas itself, pandas and pans, and you know what to be looking for. She talks to us about her three-pronged approach that she uses. She explains about flair. We talk about what happens in puberty, all of the things around pandas pans. And so I was really excited about this interview. I'm very excited to bring it to you. I have since meeting with Dr. O'Hara and speaking with her, um, read her book as well, and I definitely recommend it. It came um, late last year, so I was able to kind of dig in before the holiday season. And it's a really great resource guide. There is just so much in here, a lot that I knew about, but also it just really puts it in a nice collection so that you can feel like, yes, we are doing this. Yes, we are doing this and really start to see areas maybe where you need a little bit more. I think it can also be used, um, you know, as something that you can share with your doctor, um, certainly are, if you are a medical practitioner, I'm sure this would be a great resource for you as well. So um, without anything else at this point, I just want to welcome and hope that you enjoy Dr. Nancy O'Hara. So welcome Dr. Nancy O'Hara to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Happy to connect with you too, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. So why don't we start with you providing a quick overview of your background and how you got interested in treating pandas and pans? 
Sure. Um, I started out as a teacher of children with autism. And uh, truthfully, I was a really lousy teacher. And I took the easier road and went to medical school. And uh, then after residency, chief residency, a general pediatric fellowship, I was the partner in a, in a group, pediatric regular practice group. And I had a little boy that got better with dietary changes, not just mm. his allergies and asthma, but he started to speak. He also had oh, autism. Wow. And I thought, well, this is crazy. Um, but the mom came to me and she said, you have to meet Dr. Sidney Baker. And Sid is the grandfather of functional medicine. And at that time, I was not at all thinking about lifestyle and diet. I, I was, but I was going through five years of infertility. And okay. I thought, I'll go see Sid as a patient. And that changed my life. And I learned all about functional medicine and started my own practice about 25 years ago for children with neurodevelopmental, neuropsychiatric, chronic illnesses and got pregnant. And then about uh, 15 years ago, met another little boy who changed overnight um, with seizure-like tics, uh, was a previously neurotypical child, um, but had had a strep infection, got exposed to a virus, and got bit by a Lyme-positive tick all in the same week and devolved wow. into these seizure-like tics. And thankfully, because of what I was already doing, I threw the kitchen sink at him. And mm -hmm. that started my journey into PANDAS, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorders Associated with Strep, and PANS, Pediatric Abrupt Onset Neuropsychiatric Disorders uh, or Syndrome. And uh, that changed my life. So here wow, I am that's today. Amazing. And, and definitely a lot um, for that boy. And so I don't know if you're familiar, but I do have a son um, who has PANDAS. Um, so I do understand quite a little bit about the disorders, but... Um, it's, it's, I'm sure, really wonderful for your patients to have somebody that's quite knowledgeable about um, these two disorders, because I know it's a real challenge to find. Um, so because I've um, got my firsthand experience with it, there are a number of people that listen to the podcast that are quite familiar with pandas and pans and understand some of the challenges. But why do you think that it is so challenging to diagnose and treat these disorders just generally or, or receive a diagnosis as, as a parent and child? Well, uh, it's a great question, and I think it's multifold. I think, first of all, usually uh, the pandas or pans develop six weeks or up to three months after the triggering event. So the strep infection or the viral infection or the mycoplasma infection or, um, in my opinion, yeast and mold and Lyme or Lyme co-infections. Um, and so when it's that far apart, sometimes the parent doesn't remember remember if it's the first time they've been confronted right. with something like this. And certainly the, the physician doesn't think about it. The second thing is oftentimes, with, especially with strep, when you go into a doctor's office and your child has an ear infection or a sinus infection, they may not even swab the throat. So you may not even get the confirmation that it was a strep throat when then six weeks later, there's the, the abrupt change in behaviors. And, and then the third reason, I think Sue Suido, who I work with and have been on several boards with, would say um, it's a kitschy name. And unfortunately, 
um, some physicians have found that um, uh, in naming it pans and panned is difficult to swallow. And um, in fact, some physicians have made fun of it just showing pictures of pandas rather than really calling it, you know, maybe what it should have been called back in the 1990s, the Sweeto syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we would have more understanding uh, in that way. But what it really is, is basal ganglia encephalitis, you know, the inflammation of that part of the brain because of a triggering infection or metabolic event. And and so um, I, I wish, and I wrote this book because I really wish more physicians would would hear this and and not just physicians, but teachers and nurses and naturopaths and, and everybody else. Um, and certainly parents um, have places to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've seen over the years, like, I guess, we've been involved in this for quite a while, almost eight years, when I think about mm-hmm. it now. Um, and so when we were first coming across the symptoms and things. Yeah, nobody seemed to know anything about it. Now we've kind of been seeing, you know, a little more knowledge and maybe we're just seeing practitioners now that (laughs) that do know about it. But um, I I can totally agree. I would say that I think, you know, I'm always looking for silver linings and I think COVID has helped us Mm -hmm. in that um, there were several uh, young people and even children that presented to psychiatric hospitals with an abrupt onset of a neuropsychiatric condition and were COVID positive. Right. Um, And we know that there are a lot of post-infectious inflammatory uh, syndromes, um, COVID being one of them, where you whether you call it MISC or you know post COVID inflammation, that's pants. Yeah, and maybe as we look deeper into that and see the inflammatory reactions that are causing the neuropsychiatric um, symptoms, there'll be more belief in other uh, diseases that and infections and metabolic events that can cause the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Like if there's more studying coming out of COVID, absolutely. That's that could be something really good for this community um, around pandas pans as well. Um, so I wondered if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about the treatment approach that you take in terms of pandas pans. I know, you know, so many are doing different things, but what what is the best route from your perspective? Right. So um, I do consider it a three-pronged approach. So it's treating the symptoms, you know, those symptoms of tics, OCD, um, uh, the eating disorders, the abrupt onset of that, the the anxiety, the behavioral regression, the, the school regression, and then the mm-hmm. somatic symptoms of uh, urinary frequency, abrupt onset of bedwetting, or sleep disturbances, that really restless REM disinhibition sleep. So the first prong is treating the symptoms. And although I am an allopathic physician, I really feel there are so many nutraceuticals and herbals and other ways to treat the symptoms before we get to SSRIs. That's not to say that some children don't need SSRIs. Um, If we do, it should be a very low dose and um, increasing up very slowly, but there are so many others, NAC and acetylcysteine for OCD, magnesium for ticks, adaptogens like ashwagandha and rhodiola for um, anxiety, and so many, so many others to treat the symptoms. 
Um, and, and lifestyle, of course, you know, dietary changes and, and exercise and meditation. Um, and then it's, it's treating the trigger. Um, that's treating the infection. And first you have to look for the infection. Um, uh, look first in history and physical exam. It may not be there by blood tests. Um, and then if you have that, yeah, she had a strep infection six weeks ago, treating that with antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with two naturopaths. So also you can treat it with antimicrobials, with herbals. You know, we often um, will start with an antibiotic course um, azithromycin, for instance, because it gets both strep in our area as well as um, mycoplasma um, and Bartonella, which is, you know, where we live in Connecticut, very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then move on to an antimicrobial rotation. Um, several herbs are very good. Tega, which is uh, a pine needle extract from the Siberian forest, uh, colloidal silver, eusnea, neem, berberine in the form of golden seal, uh, oil of oregano, and many, many others. Um, So it doesn't have to be antibiotics, uh, uh, but some sort of antimicrobial um, or antiviral, you know, if it's a a virally induced um, trigger. And then the third piece, which I think is often overlooked, is treating the immune system. And again, in allopathic medicine, that often means steroids, um, and IVIG. And some of our kids do have to get to that, although I think I can count on two hands in 15 years the number of times I've used steroids. And we do not provide IVIG in our office. Okay. Um, so we look at many other anti-inflammatories. Um, quercetin has been excellent, especially in COVID. Resveratrol is a wonderful Mm. antioxidant that's a great anti-inflammatory. LDN, which has a lot of research in multiple sclerosis, um, as well as uh, ibuprofen. You know, if a child is in a flare, um, giving 10 milligrams per kilogram of ibuprofen ibuprofen and seeing it decrease the severity, the the intensity or the frequency of those symptoms is indicative that this is an inflammatory reaction. So um, we use a lot of herbals, nutraceuticals, vitamins, minerals, um, and those sorts of things first to try to treat the child in front of us. So. Wow. Yeah. And that's a great, um, synopsis and overview. There's so many things that you're looking at. And so just to reiterate, like the third immune system piece, it can really vary in terms of something like IVIG more extreme, but the the different maybe nutraceuticals or um, the Advil, like things like that as well, all kind of go together. Right. Right. And, and if a mom or dad isn't sure, I often recommend them giving the ibuprofen first and, mm-hmm. and, or with a flare. Um, and then we'll look at, we have a 30 page questionnaire that gets at the history and the physical exam too, and decide what is this child in front of me need? Um, others, uh, you know, to treat that immune a system, maybe omega-3 fatty acids, essential mm-hmm. fatty acids. They're really essential in our diet and very limited or specialized pro-resolving mediators. You know, SPMs have been talked about a lot during COVID. Um, those are two I didn't mention before, but also the flavonoids, the antihistamines, um, right. the antioxidants, all of those can be really helpful. 
Wow. Yeah. So there is definitely a lot. Um, and I guess, how do you settle on where to go? Or is a lot of trial and error in terms of, of which things work for which child? It's a great question. And, um, you know, for example, uh, the history and the child in front of me um, had COVID six weeks ago. So now I'm thinking, okay, this is a virally induced flare. So I will look at their vitamin A levels because vitamin A is a great antiviral. I'll look at their vitamin D levels, a great antioxidant. And then I'll start with an antiviral. Um, maybe a medication like amantadine, maybe an antiviral like monolaurin, loracidin, aqualaurin, which also has a biofilm buster in it, um, olive leaf extract. And then I'll look at the, the exam of this child. Well, they have a lot of keratosis. The, the skin on the back of their arms is really rough. Well, mm. that child may do better with specialized pro-resolving mediators and essential fatty acid as their antioxidant. I mean, as their anti-inflammatory or mm -hmm. that child is so anxious. They are, you know, just every hour, just just melting into a ball of anxiety. Curcumin, um, especially in the form of VEA, can be given every hour um, to, to treat anxiety as well as inflammation. Um, so I really look at the child in front of me and pick three or four things based on their history of what microbe I think is most likely, um, their, their physical exam, what they've used in the past, um, and then what's the symptom that is most causing the problem in them? Is it sleep? Nobody in the house is sleeping. Well, I may add melatonin. Um, you know, so it really is looking at that, what I call N of one and deciding for him or her and their family, what to start with. Then we do a, a follow-up about usually six weeks later after doing some initial tests, um, and see how we're doing. If we're doing great, we may just continue what we're doing. If there are some abnormalities on the blood work that we didn't expect, we may add something. If they're not recovering, then we may change the antibiotic or antimicrobial. We may add an additional one. We may change the anti-inflammatory or, or the adaptogen or whatever. And we'll keep doing that um, until we get it right. Wow. Yeah. No, that's very comprehensive. And it seems like you're, you know, some of it is trial for sure, but definitely going off the blood work and, and doing different things. So that's amazing. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit more about flares. So I wondered if you can explain why flares continue to plague some of these children, even after they've maybe been better for a while. So maybe they seem like they're in a good place for about a year. And then all of a sudden something happens. Like I know for my son, we've just went down the route of braces or, you know, yeah. maybe they get a cold or as you mentioned, COVID. Um, like, how do, like, I guess, why does this happen? And then also, what should the parents do from there? Are you starting all over again with treatment? Or is it just making like a tweak to what you've done? How do you know what to do next? Well, I always mess up analogies, but what's the one, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, um, so at that first visit, we look at what the initial trigger is, but we also are, are try to talk to the parents then or certainly at the first follow up about what other triggers can be. 
Um, because like you said, it can be getting braces on, it can be losing teeth, it can be getting a new virus. Um, it can be getting exposed to a water damaged building and mold. It could get Mm -hmm. be getting exposed to bitten by a, a Lyme positive tick or getting a, a scratch by a cat that has Bartonella. Um, by definition though, pans and pandas are relapsing and remitting course. And some of that is, first of all, um, there's a genetic predisposition and then environment pulls the trigger. So genetics loads the gun and environment pulls the trigger. So this child, it's not just about the strep. It's about they're predisposed to to be um, susceptible to the next trigger that comes down the pike. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, if their first trigger was strep, We'll we'll talk to them about, you know, even though your child is better now, prevent strep for the next few years. If they get this pre-pubitally, we recommend continuing antimicrobials probably until puberty or at least a couple of years. I've had kids that were doing great and then stopped. And then the next fall, they got a strep infection and got an even worse um uh, yeah. relapse. Yeah. So that's why I like in those cases, the antimicrobials, I don't like to have kids on antibiotics for years, but to mm-hmm. have them on an antimicrobial or rotation that helps to prevent those infections can be helpful. We also have what we call an acute viral protocol, which is higher doses of vitamin A, vitamin D, zinc, quercetin, that a family will start the minute a cold hits the house. Um, and, uh, that sometimes prevents a flare. We'll talk about in our area of the world, preventing tick bites or how to Mm -hmm. look for ticks and how to, if you get bit by a tick, what to do. So a, it's a relapsing and mitting course B there's a genetic susceptibility. So that child that gets it once is susceptible to more things. And then three, it's, it's trying to prevent it. And, um, but keeping in mind that if treated well, these children can grow out of it. The ones that get it pre-pubertally usually are better by puberty. And the ones that get it around puberty, the blood-brain barrier closes between the ages of 21 and 25. So as long as they've been treated successfully um, and don't have mold or Lyme disease lurking in the background, they should get better. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it is a relapsing and remitting course. Yeah, no, that's that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to say, because you mentioned puberty. So there is kind of hope that at that time, you maybe don't have to continue with some of these treatments. Is that what it sounds like? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. As long as you're, you know, if you're 11 and you hit puberty at 12, would I would I keep, you know, some stuff in the background? And uh, absolutely. But if you, you know, develop this at five um, and now you hit puberty at 11, absolutely you should be fine. And so you mentioned that if it's been treated successfully. And so how do you as a parent know, like, do you, is it if you're no longer seeing flares? Um, Is it if I know for us, like we looked at our blood work um, and then we've done things like low dose immunotherapy, lots of supplements. Um, How do you know when, when you've treated successfully as a parent, I'm always kind of thinking, have we done enough? 
Yeah. And, and those are great. Um, you know, the LDI and, and the things you mentioned are great also that I hadn't mentioned. Um, you know, I, I think that's my mentor, Dr. Baker, uh, his mentor, Dr. Miller always said, Sydney, have we done enough for this child? And um, I am always looking, always, you know, we ask the kids to come back once a year. So we make sure that we are, you know, on top of things. Um, Mm -hmm. The most likely positive blood work is not strep titers or mycoplasma titers. It's inflammatory markers. It's an ANA, an anti-nuclear antibody. So as long as that is elevated or if there's any sign of inflammation on exam or on the laboratory test, then we'll keep something, you know, low dose, uh, low dose LDI, low dose naltrexone, um, something in the background to try to keep their immune system uh, supported. Um, the second piece is, uh, and I, I should say this in, in all fairness, as long as my son isn't listening, that child that presented with pandas was my own son. Okay, so yeah. I've been there as a parent, <laughs> as well as a physician. And as parents, we all have PTSD. And I remember when my son was in college, he's now 24. When he was in college, um, he, ah, mom, I'm not, I'm not doing well. And there we were in a hotel room together. And for four nights, I didn't sleep. And I was thinking, did he get exposed to mold? Is, did he get bit by a tick again? Do, do I do his blood work again? What am I missing? And, and over and over again, finally, at the end of four nights, he goes, mom, you know, it's about a girl. Oh. And, and my point <laughs> is that, that, you know, yeah. we as parents also have to take care of ourselves. And we have to, though we have to be vigilant, and we have to look for the signs. We also have to make sure that our own anxiety and our own hypervigilance is not making our child's anxiety or OCD or whatever it may be worse. Um, and get our own meditation and mantras and immunotherapy and good diets and lifestyle um, in check. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a tough road. It's, it's, it's hard to know exactly when you're done. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I taught my son early on is those other things on how to handle the stressors of life. It's how to eat right. You know, it's not about any special diet, but it is about an anti-inflammatory diet, eating more whole foods, good proteins, good oils, good vegetables. Um, And also um, learning a a mantra that, that works for you or a meditation practice or learning what works for you in the form of exercise or other, you know, like my son learned a drum as a counter tick. Um, uh, or humming or playing with widgets or whatever it may be. Um, and taking those things as well as therapy. You know, I'm a big believer as a former teacher in therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy or, or something along those lines may be very helpful to children as well as parents and taking those with you when you recover. Um, so that when other stressors come up in life that may, sort of take you as a parent or your child down another dark alley, you have other resources to depend on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. Like, you know, I always kind of reflect on my son and and I see that, that like he has such 
a good routine in terms of the things that he eats, his exercise regimen. He does do therapy. Like, you know, it's going to set him up in life to be more able to handle stress and, and all of those things as well. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so why don't we switch gears a little bit into the book? And so what really prompted you to write the book, Demystifying Panda's Pants? And is it purely aimed at fellow doctors or do you see it as useful for pr other practitioners and parents as well? Um, certainly all practitioners and most of my parents are a lot smarter than most of the practitioners. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I wrote it because I was tired of having a six month waiting list. We've mm -hmm. added a, a new naturopath to our practice. So we're down to two to three months now, which is great. Um, but I really wanted more physicians um, especially to understand it, more pediatricians and family practitioners. But I wrote it for all practitioners, teachers, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, naturopaths, um, uh, chiropractors, uh, you know, and I'm forgetting 10 of them, but, but all of them and parents too. Um, and I started at the beginning of COVID, you know, at the beginning of COVID, uh, I had to change malpractice carriers because my malpractice wouldn't allow me to do telehealth. Um, uh -huh. So I had a little bit of extra time on my hand. And I thought, this is the time I'm going to write this book. And um, I worked with a naturopath who was my editor and sort of kept me in line and took a, a bunch of, of uh case studies and put them all together and then wrote many chapters on immune support on each of the different symptoms, tics, anxiety, OCD, sleep, brain fog, which I haven't talked about, constipation, which we have to treat early on. And then all the microbes that, that could cause it and a little bit, even a chapter on mold and a chapter on Lyme disease. And, and spent, uh, I thought it was done over a year before I published it, but spent the last year gathering even more references. There are 498 references so that, that, uh, the skeptics may, may believe. Um, and a, a big index so that somebody can go and say, you know, I, I never heard of resveratrol. What is it? And look that up and find all the pages it's talked about or SPMs or, what do you mean Babesia can cause this? What is Babesia? And so, you know, I spent a lot of time putting a very detailed reference list and a very detailed index list together. And I hope that parents will take it um, and read it themselves, read a chapter, read a case study that may sound like their child, mm -hmm. or take it to one of their teachers, practitioners who says this doesn't exist or I don't believe in it and just say he, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy mm -hmm. Hanukkah um, and uh, and help them the next time they have a kid that comes in with an abrupt onset of one of these symptoms, they might pick up the book or look at a chapter. And so, yeah, I was going to ask that, like, are you thinking that people will even take it to their practitioner and, and work through it? Or is it like, can a parent kind of look at it and say, oh, here's the step that we missed? You know, if they're still seeing an issue and then they see the chapter on, say, mold. I know this kind of happened to me previously. I came across all of this stuff about mold and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I went to our practitioner and said, I think this is something we really need to look at. Like, is that part of the intent? Exactly. Yes. Um, I think as a practicing pediatrician, you know, I used to be a partner in a group 30 years ago. I, um, 
I don't have the illusion that pediatricians will read this whole book. Mm. Um, I encourage parents to to take the book, take what they can from it. And then if they find either in a case study or in some of the descriptions in the chapters on symptoms, something about their child that resonates, then take it to one of their practitioners and say, how about we try this? Um, the other thing that I did was I, I changed my whole website up to also provide a, a mentoring program. So either one-on-one or in groups, in person or online, um, I will mentor any practitioners, that teachers, nurses, physicians, naturopaths, any. Um, I also have live Q&As um, for parents as well as practitioners. And then I also did what I call a membership program because I think pediatricians and um, physicians are more likely to take things in small snippets. So the membership program has about 30 videos where I describe in video, um, which could also be listened to as an audio, um, uh, you know, uh, something about the nutraceuticals or something about the symptom or a symptom they hadn't thought of or uh, a trigger they haven't thought about like yeast or mold. And I also in that membership are six different lectures with more details on mold, lime, pans, um, pots. I used to title all my talks pots and pans um, <laughs> because pots is, you know, um, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome or dysautonomia, the dysregulation of our automatic nervous system. That's something a lot of our kids are left with. And um, we don't recognize it as much, but it, sh- it should also be treated. So mm-hmm. I try to do it in a comprehensive way to provide lots of different modalities. You know, if somebody wants to read, there's the book. If they want to, I'm, I'm working on an audio book. But there's also the short videos and the longer lectures that if that's the way somebody wants to learn, that's available too. That's great. It sounds like a ton of resources that that can be very useful to the medical community and different practitioners. So that's you should be very proud of that. One of the things that I'm thinking of is as a parent, it's very challenging because you almost end up as the manager of your child's case, really. That was kind of my experience where, you know, you're constantly looking for information, going to different doctors, and it sounds like that's part of what this book could help with. I do think so, and I hope so, Sarah. And, you know, uh, one of the other things my mentor always said to me, uh, if they listen, you will come. You know, find a practitioner that will listen to you. Um, because you can take this book or any part of the membership program and, and take it to your practitioner and say, look, you know, we should think about this. Help me do this. Um, and, and that is what I'm hoping parents can get out of it because, um, you know, we can't, none of us, and, and I certainly don't know everything. And I go to conferences and I've learned stuff doing, doing all of these podcasts and, and remembering stuff, you know, like something I haven't used in a couple of years because I got out of the habit. You know, we all need to be open. And um, I've learned more from parents than than anybody else. And I think if you find a practitioner, hopefully they will be open for you to bring new ideas and new information. Um, But I do also hope that as practitioners, we are 
our parents' GPS. You know, that's what we always say to parents, at least. You know, we hope to guide you down the right route, but you're still driving the car. You know, we may tell you this pill is great for your kid, but if your child doesn't swallow pills, it's not going to help you at all. Or we may tell you this diet would really work, but you've got four other kids at home and you can't figure out how to do that right now. Or we may tell you to buy these 10 things and, you know, you've taken out a second mortgage on your house. Um, we ask parents to be totally honest with us because we will be honest with them because I think that's the only way our kids will get better. You know, we beat ourselves up so much as moms, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be honest with our practitioners too. read the book and find the things that you think you can do as well as should do for your child. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, because you've mentioned a lot of different supplements and things like that. And and over time, like I said, you know, eight years or so that we've been working with it, like it is very expensive. It, it can be a real challenge. So that's a really good point of that honest conversation and lifestyle. Like, is is this something your family can actually implement? Right, right, right. Wonderful. So I wondered, are there any other tools or tips that you really want to point out to listeners before we wrap up? Well, I think, um, one, I'd be a detective, you know, not in a stalking kind of way with your teenager or even your little child, but, but do try to understand, you know, what's going on for them. You know, one of the things we miss a lot in OCD is looping thoughts. And right. sometimes the anxiety is the OCD that's going on in their head. So ask open-ended questions and also tell them that you get it, you know, even if you don't make sure they feel understood and not blamed and not wrong. The second thing is don't feed the beast. You know, even when my son was having seizure like ticks on the floor, he still had to get up and do his homework. He still had to take out the trash. You know, we can often as parents um, coddle our child um, often at the expense of the other children in our mm -hmm. in our families. Um, but but don't feed the beast. And I don't mean the beast of your child. I mean, the beast of the disease mm -hmm. still have expectations for your child, even while you're helping them. And then I think the last thing would be that there is hope, not false hope, but there is always hope. You know, my son is now 24 and and getting his Ph.D. in chemistry and having stressors out the yin yang, as that mm -hmm. can be. But, you know, he's he's my my reason for and and also um, my greatest teacher in, in how to manage this. So. Help your children, but also know that they are helping you. Oh, that's amazing. That's such a positive outcome for your son. That's great. Um, so how can listeners find out more about you and your book, your practice, either online or if you're on social media? Yeah, so um, the book is on Amazon, both in Kindle version and uh, print. And it is, as you said, called Demystifying Pans, Pandas, uh, Functional Medicine Desktop Reference on Basal Ganglia Encephalitis, because I wanted a really simple title. Um, but no, <laughs> but it needs I, to include there, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know, there is a chance that if the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, does not come down in favor of believing in pans and pandas that we will just be causing 
calling it basal ganglia encephalitis, which right. is what it is. So I wanted to include that in the title. Yes. Um, I also have a website, which is drohara.com. And that is all the information on my membership and mentorship programs and a lot more on the book. Um, and then uh, even as as the uh, elder statesman, statesman, stateswoman that I am today, I am on Instagram and Facebook uh-huh. uh, with the help of younger colleagues. Uh, and Instagram, it's at nhoharamd. N-H-O-H-A-R-A-M-D. And I am on Facebook, Nancy O'Hara, MD. And uh, Sarah, I really appreciate this. And I so appreciate you doing what you're doing for your own child and for so many other children out there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I won't keep you. I will link up to all of these in the show notes so that people can click away on the links as well. And like I said, I'm sure your your patients are appreciating this, but many parents and many practitioners will appreciate your book as well. Thank you again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Dr. Nancy O'Hara for her time. I really enjoyed this conversation and I think I really came away from it feeling so rejuvenated and hopeful. And it's a weird thing to say, you know, when you've had a conversation about um, really challenging disorders, but I really liked when she talked about the fact that there is a possibility for kids to grow out of this, that, you know, the brain keeps changing and, and that we can really get there if we're treating it successfully. And um, I think for a lot of parents, that's going to give that glimmer of hope, like, yes, okay, we, we're doing all the things and this could really uh, make a big difference in the end. And I just felt, like I said, so much more hopeful having spoken with her and her hearing about some of the things that she recommends. Um, I I loved all the things she was talking about in terms of treating the immune system, really specific about how we can make a difference and different types of things that we can be using. And again, I can't recommend the book enough. Um, you know, I've read a couple books on Panda's Pans, and this one definitely is one that I felt had a lot of practical pieces in it that we can use and kind of go back to just, you know, as you have another question or you maybe want to dig into something else. This is such a disorder or the set of disorders that there's so many layers and um, I never feel like I can learn enough. There's always something that I'm learning about these disorders. So again, if you do want to uh, get the book, it's definitely available on Amazon. I believe I ordered mine through Indigo here in Canada. So worldwide, you can get the book Demystifying Pandas Pans, a functional medicine desktop reference on basal ganglia and cephalitis. Also, if you want to connect a little bit more and just understand what's in it, you can go to drohara.com. She mentioned her Instagram at nhoharamd, and she does have a Facebook group as well or Facebook profile that I often get um, pushes from, Nancy O'Hara MD. So please go see everything that she's working on because I think it's great work. Um, And I also will put all of that as links in the 
the show notes and she sent a reference material as well that I'll include in there that goes a little bit deeper into what pandas and pans are. So thanks again to Dr. Nancy O'Hara. I hope everyone is getting into the new year successfully. Um, It's always a time. Hopefully you enjoyed the renewal meditation. For me, I think that really got me to, you know, not think of the new you kind of thing, but just think about a few things that I want to be thinking about in 2023. You know, what do I want to be focusing on and who am I even now? That's something I think that comes up. And for me, my birthday is literally like the day before New Year's Eve. And so the new year in terms of the calendar year comes along with a new year in terms of my age. And so it's it's always a period of renewal for me. So I hope that everybody enjoyed that meditation. And if you liked this episode on Pandas Pans, feel free to reach out to me. I always love to hear from those listening to the podcast. You can do so at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram. You could email me at real life project co all together mushed in one word at gmail.com. Also, if you have guest ideas, feel free to reach out or if there's a somebody that you've recently come across reading a book or something that you think would fit really well with the show, I would love to hear from you as well. So like I said, I hope the new year is going well and generally stay well. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.